0: Let's get to the Bible. <laughs> Let's get right to it. Acts chapter 16, we find ourselves today. And uh, I'm going to read, we're going to read in verse 6. Um, Laramie, I'm going to ask maybe that you put the map back up on the board. Um, we're going to get ourselves geographically connected, contextually connected. And uh, there's a, this is a real turning point in the sense of the book of Acts. Um, we're going to start to see some things develop. That, quite honestly, you are here. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're here because of the message that was taken yearly, literally to Europe. And Acts chapter 16, we'll begin reading at verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6. Now, when they'd gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and this next day to Neapolis, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul." When she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, "'If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there.' And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, "'These two men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation.'" And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. May God add a special blessing to reading of his word. And let's just pause for prayer Again, before we begin our study. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being here amongst us. Thank you, Father, for the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who we ask would exclusively teach us now from the word of God. May the power of the Word be so vibrant and so sovereign and so enriching that our lives would be changed, that literally we would see Jesus even more closely, more intimately than we've ever seen Him before. And Father, if there's someone here today that has never trusted Christ as Savior, that this day, this hour would be that time. For you with open arms are asking all to come unto you that are weary and heavy laden, For the truth is what sets us free. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do today. Lead us, direct us, guide us, show us. In Christ's precious and holy name, amen. Well, as we, uh, let's see, that thing is probably, where did that get lost? Here it is. Right where I put it, right? (laughs) Right where I put it. We've been. uh, We've been traveling with Paul, if you will, and uh, making backing up all the way up into the first part of Acts. Acts is a book that is a bridge. If you read the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you did not have Acts and you jumped into Romans, you would be totally lost. You would not, you wouldn't get it. It would be like, what? What happened? Where did it start? Well, it all started right here in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus Christ was crucified there, and within just a matter of days after that, uh, believe it or not, that's where God said, I'm going to start the church right there. I'm going to start it where Jesus died. I maybe would pick another spot. But no, that's what He did. God just chose to start it in Jerusalem with Jews first, those that rejected Jesus Christ. On Monday of triumphal, when He triumphantly entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey, was declared the King by Friday afternoon at 9 o'clock in the morning He was hanging on a cross. That's amazing to me. That's the same place, though, in Jerusalem. That's where God started the church. Um, Quickly moving on, from there he went into the northern part of Judea and Samaria. This would have been a place that the the Jews and the Gentiles, I'm sorry, the Jews and the Samaritans were very, very distant. They hated one another. They did. They just saw themselves as enemies. Well, guess what? Same Jesus is valid in that place as well. Then Cornelius, which would have been even further north, uh, that was the beginning of the Gentile uh, salvation message, uh, he got saved and consequently through the course of years now we're probably about 20 years in after the beginning of the church of Jerusalem. Well, we know that Antioch of Syria was kind of home base for where the church was in the gentile evangelization. Paul and Barnabas took the first missionary journey to Cyprus. They went on this little journey here on a, a semicircle if you will, ended up in Derby. And right behind them came the Judaizers. We've been talking a lot about them. They're the ones that said, oh, Christ is okay, but you have to be a Jew first. In other words, you have to come through the Jewish door to come through the Jesus door. Because Jesus was a Jew. And Paul took great note of that. In fact, the book of Galatians is actually spoken of and given to those people in that city that literally neutralized that position to say, no, a thousand times no. It is by grace alone through faith. Um, Paul now, they had a division. It's amazing how liter- literally Jesus, I'm sorry, that God, the Holy Spirit literally took Paul and Barnabas for a team, right? And there was a man by the name of John Mark who was Barnabas's, that was the encourager. He was the guy of encouragement. You have someone that's encouraging in your life? Think of that person, take them times 10 or 20 or 30. That's Barnabas. And John Mark was his cousin. And he said, Let's take him with again. Paul said, No way. In fact, he quit us right there at Perga. He went back home. I can't use him. I don't want any part of him. And there was a contention that was really sharp. Now the really cool thing I didn't share with you last week, but you probably know about it. In Second Timothy chapter four, verse eleven, it says at the very end of Paul's life, do you know who he asked to come and visit him? John Mark. John Mark had proven to be a real asset to him later in his life. Who did that? Well, that encourager, that Barnabas. That's why I've, for you guys that are here today, I'll tell you what, if you can just encourage someone else just this week, just, just a little bit, it's amazing what God can do with encouragement. It's amazing. Well, there's a perfect example. Well, what happened is Satan tried to divide and make no team go out on a missionary journey. Guess what God did? He said, well, let's go Two. We're not going to have one. We're not going to have zero. We're going to have two. And so Paul takes Silas, and this is the journey that they take. It would be, if you follow the green line, second missionary journey, they literally took off from the Jerusalem area, and they began, I'm sorry, green line. We've got to start up here where they left, out of Antioch. They would have come to Jerusalem. That's where the council met. they come out of Antioch of Syria. And you'll start to see that they went backwards to the trip, visiting the churches they had went the first time. Why didn't they go to Cyprus? Well, that's where Barnabas and John Mark went. It was pretty cool. So they go backwards, pick up a young man in Derby by the name of Timotheus. That's the Timothy that you find in your, in your, in your scriptures. First and second Timothy. They, they got him and his mother was Eunice and his grandmother was Lois. Tremendous women that brought this young man into place. So they're going along and it's like we want to go here, we want to go into what is known as Asia, then we're going to go back into this area and evangelize that place. Nope, the Holy Spirit said no, we read that last week. Then they were going to go north, and you can see the green line goes up towards Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit shut them down. Now, again, I want to bring you right into there, because all of you probably, certainly those that have trusted Christ as Savior, you're looking for God's will. Where does God want me? Now, I'll say this, if you get the door slams in your face going in here, and it slams your face going here, what do we usually do? Oh, I'm going to go home. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Right? is not how it works. But you know what? This is what we found last week. This is how I left you. Hopefully, it's it, it, it stuck, is the fact that, you know what? They just kept going. Don't stop moving. You keep doing what God has called you to do. Look at this journey across here. That, that would have taken some time, wouldn't have it? And they end up in a place called Troas. Now, Troas, I would have to say, is a decision point. You can't go any further west because you're going to run into the sea. There's really nowhere to go. And it's like this is the point of which many of us, God, where do you want me? It looks like this is D-Day. We need to know what to do now. And that was when God revealed to Paul that man from Macedonia in a dream. At Troas, it's, if you see Macedonia here. This would have been Greece this is where the, where the Grecian king, kingdom literally was. And now they are going to go from Troas, make this journey to Neapolis. That's about 140, 50 miles. It was done in two days. The wind was with them. Okay? Now coming back home, it actually took five days. So you can see when God opens the door, he provides the vessel and the way. And I'm going to just say the way. It's going. Two days they go from Troas, took an overnight at Samothracia or Samothrace. Okay, this is just a 5,000-foot rock that comes out of the, out of the ocean. It's just a place to step by. Okay. So, they end up in Neapolis, and Neapolis to Philippi, these are all words that would have been in your scripture reading, they're almost on top of one another, that would have been a 10-mile walk. Okay? They would have got to Neapolis, the seaport, then they would have walked into Philippi. Philippi is the place that literally we know about the Philippians, the book that, that was written. Isn't that, and that if you was going to ask for one word of Philippians, you would say joy. But Paul is in prison while he's writing it. Have you ever been in prison and then said, that was joyful? That's the message that he really gave to the Philippians. Now, again, I want to, I'm going to ask you, if you are slipping into Paul's shoes and you get this vision that Macedonia is wide open for evangelization. And you slip into Philippi, and let me talk about that city for a little bit. It was a Roman colony. Uh, Not very many places are called colonies. Colony to Rome was actually like being in Rome, but not being in Rome. There were actually those... I 'm going to say older military people, service people that had served the Roman government, had retired. They literally were asked to go to these colonies to give more sense of Romanness, if you will, to it. They were given some some really cool, what should we kickbacks? They were never taxed. If you were ex-government, ex, whatever, you could go move into Philippi and you paid no taxes. Wow, that sounds good, doesn't it? you were treated very royally honestly but the whole message was is that this was like Rome without being in Rome Philippi was one of those cities now it was a th- and the other thing which I don't think it will show on here but there was a highway uh, I don't think it's on here but there would have been a highway that went all the way across Macedonia and even came back across and, and I mean, it was like 490 miles long I can't remember the name of it right now but that was built in 146 BC and Philippi was on that direct route Philippi got a lot of traffic. I mean, it was a busy place. So, now if you could imagine, if what, what would be the conversation is you and Silas and your team. Now, did you see something? I missed it again. There was, a, there was something in a pronoun that changed dramatically in this book of Acts that we saw back in verse, let's go back, Acts chapter 16 and verse 10. Let me read it. After he had seen the vision, this is the vision of coming to Macedonia, Paul, immediately it says, we, not they, We, we entered, endeavored to go into Macedonia. Who's we? Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. At this point, you'll start to see now that pronoun we. Luke has accompanied the team. We have Paul, we have Silas, we have Timotheus, and we have Luke. Can you imagine that foursome? Whoa, fantastic. What was the conversation like as you enter into Philippi and you just see there's there's majesty everywhere? And you say, wow, this is going to be great. Can you imagine how open this must be? I mean, I can't wait to preach Jesus. And it says, they kind of lingered a little bit. It says that uh, from thence to Philippi, verse 12, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding several certain days. In other words, we are just hanging out. They don't even know what to do. What does Paul usually do? Let's go back and rehearse. How does Paul usually approach a new city? And he, he did it numerous times in, in Asia. What, what was that? He went to the synagogue. Well, what's in a synagogue is Jews. Jews typically would have some platform, some background in the Bible, right? It would be the Old Testament. They would be able to, he would be able to start someplace. So, there's got to be a synagogue in Philippi, right? There's got to be something. There wasn't. In fact, it tells us, let's keep going, and on the Sabbath... This is the day that the synagogue would have been opened. We, once again, went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. There was a prayer meeting. Now, I want to stop for a moment. That tells us a couple of things. There was not even a synagogue in the entire city of Philippi. And you say, well, you know, what is it? I'll tell you what it takes to have a synagogue. It takes ten men to have a synagogue. There were not ten men to have a synagogue. Whoa! <laughs> I'm not sure that that wouldn't have been a little bit of a downer as they're as they're as they're traveling and traversing, and and they're trying to get this city figured out. And all of a sudden, through the course of networking, they say there's a prayer meeting. There's a group that meets down by the river on the Sabbath. So they go, and there's one woman mentioned. There was a woman that was named Lydia. Now, what we know of Lydia is actually more profound than a lot of that we know. It says that she was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. Now, Thyatira wasn't exactly right across the street. In fact, let's do our, let's see, now where are we at? We were in Philippi right here, right? In Macedonia. Thyatira is all the way back here. What did they do at Thyatira. Now, if you actually went to, we're not going to go there, but write it down in your notes. If you go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you'll see there's seven different churches that are mentioned. One of them is actually the church at Thyatira. They were known for something as dying. D-Y-E-I-N-G. They had a purple dye that was very profound and very, shall we say, uh, part of their whole economy. In fact, it's very likely that that our Lydia, Ms. Lydia, uh, even though her hometown was Thyatira, she was probably selling her goods over in Macedonia to those at Philippi because it was on a major thoroughfare. She probably had what we would call um, a guild or something uh, even like, what do they call like a, a franchise. She would have had something that would have been part of her whole business model. This is a business lady. Let me tell you something. She's very active, and she's not very close to home. Now, let's think about that for a second. We have Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. We've got, we got a team there to evangelize Europe. The first ones to get to Philippi. And who's the first one they find? A lady from Thyatira. Now, you don't think God is working? The sovereignty of God is amazing. Now, we know about Lydia that she's also a God seeker. She's a truth seeker. It says that she's worshipped God. She's looking to literally... Find the God. She's seeking. Remember those wise men? I mean, I can't tell you how... Our world is pretty messed up today, right? It doesn't... You don't have to even look at the news. You can feel it's messed up. It's, It's really messed up. But here's the deal. I can't believe that you could say that the world was any less messed up when Jesus Christ was born on this earth. Keep in mind that you have within the city or the nation of Judah that there was a king that was illegitimate. He should not have been king of the Jews. His name was Herod. And Herod, just to give you an idea of his corruptness, was when he found out that the wise men that had had driven, they drove drove camels, yeah, they drove that camel, that four-legged camel, and they came all the way in for 900 miles to park to find looking for the king of the Jews. They are looking for the real king. You know what, people? That's what we need to be looking for in our world today is the real king. Not the Trumps, not the Bidens, not the anythings. Look for Jesus. Those wise men were seeking the truth. They were seeking the king. And just to give you an idea, the depths of corruption is literally when they left, King Herod made an order to kill every baby boy that was two years old or less in the city of Bethlehem. I don't know if our world is that bad yet. My point is, it was still the same as it is today, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. Seek the truth, seek God. And you know what, here's the thing, (laughs) I don't know how she got there, I'm talking about Lydia, how did she get to Philippi? But it's amazing that she was there at exactly the right time when Paul and Silas, which couldn't... Look at now, think of this for a moment. See, it would have been a lot closer when they were on the green line going to Thyatira than the way they went. But Lydia wasn't there. God wanted to start a church in Philippi. How was He going to do it? He was going to do it with a lady by the name of Lydia that was selling dye from Thyatira, and she happens to be in town in her business at that time. You don't think that's a big God... They meet down at the river. She fears God, it tells us. But it also tells us that she was not only a true seeker, she was a listener. It says on the Sabbath, verse 13, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. This was a women's prayer group, if you will, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple. Let me talk about that for a moment. Uh, I don't know how Thyatira was able to access... I guess the marketing for that, but there were two types of purple dye, and we know from royalty, even from old time scenes or whatever pictures, you'd know that purple was a royalty color, right? You'd see the robes of the majesties that would be very purple. Well, there was actually that the what well, we would say the elites or the highest level of dye came from a shellfish, a murex and they would literally take drop by drop of purple dye from this little shellfish. That became what was known as the rich man's dye. That was very expensive. And as usual, if the rich people have something, the other people want to be looking like those people, right? That's, that's how it is, isn't it, that's how, right? Somebody on Facebook really looks cool, let's do some more of that, right? And so the, the market expanded. But there wasn't that much to be had. So then there was another root, which I'm struggling for the name of that right now. Maybe I wrote it down. Um, Or not. Yeah, matter, M-A-D-D-E-R, matter root, of which they were able to get what they called commoner dye. It would have been still purple, but not to the level and the expense of this little shellfish. That was what Thyatira was totally known for, and I'm sure that she would have taken this business model and was expanding upon why the Philippians also needed purple clothes and purple garments and all of that sort of thing. That's why she's in town. She's seeking truth, though. It says that she worshipped God. But it also says that she heard us. As they were speaking to them at this prayer meeting, she was listening, her, whose heart the Lord opened. Now let me say that very clearly. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word being a picture of Jesus Christ. Literally, when we, when we think of that, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It would be like hearing about Jesus, That's how faith comes. That's how grace is accessed because Jesus Christ paid the price. He's the one that paid it all. And when you talk about Him, there's a sense of rejecting or accepting. I either reject or... This is no different today than it was then. Now, she was seeking after God, and I will say this. If your heart, which needs to be opened by God, no one seeks God. If your heart is open, praise God that He's given you that desire, right? And when you seek God, when you desire God, guess what? God will be faithful to bring someone with the word of God to fulfill that desire. That's exactly what happened. How long was Lydia praying for someone to have further? I I tell you what, I'm just my heart is touched when I get on that map geographically and watch how God has guided these men through into a city and they're at the river at a prayer meeting with a number of gals and they talk about Jesus and she gets saved. That just thrills my heart. I mean it goes up my spine. You talk about God in action. Whoa! In fact, let's turn to Second uh, Thessalonians, those of you that have your Bibles. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14. It says, uh, Paul again writing to the church if you look. It's really cool when you have the map up. You can see uh, where is it at? Right there. See, you see where Philippi is. I don't have my pointer, but Philippi. Then uh, Amphopolis. And then you have Thessalonica. This, this, this is literally a letter written to just a neighboring town. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a picture of Lydia on that day, having had the opportunity now to believe the truth that Paul had given to them. You can almost see immediately there's a sense of contentment on her. It says that she attended, that is, she received unto the things which were spoken of of Paul. She was seeking, she was hearing, and she was believing. This woman was literally saved. When she was, and it says, and when she was baptized, boom, right away. What a great place to be, but by the river, right? Let's have a baptismal service. And it says that not only she, but also her household. Those that were with her, they know it more than likely she was actually very influential in their lives as well. She besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here. There, I'm sorry, and abide there. And she constrained us. Uh, That's a very strong word. In other words, she's saying... If, I've really, if, if I'm really who, you, who I say I am and you believe me, then I want you to stay with me. I want you to be with me. And with the word "constrain" is to urge. It's not just suggest. In other words, you know, I think you know, you know, if you want to, you could maybe. But no, if you don't want to. No, no, no. I mean literally almost force them to come and stay with her. You can see the sense of her mission has become very profound. Um, now, this is the first... As far as I can tell you, for, this is recorded for us. This is the first person that got saved in Europe. A woman. Literally, a woman has ch- it will change this particular landscape. Now, there's also a woman. We find one that's liberated. This is a liberated woman, truly free from all the things that were binding her. And now we're going to find one that literally was snared, trapped, imprisoned. Let's see this, when she was baptized in her household, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In other words, they went, verse 15, verse 16, it came to pass later as we went to prayer, this seems like a place to go, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothed sayings. Now, well, we have two women in this passage of Scripture. One of them has been seeking God, worshiping God, but didn't know Jesus. The message was revealed, a message about Jesus Christ, which Paul always did. She receives it by faith. Her life is completely liberated. She's completely free. And what did Jesus say in John chapter 8, verse 32? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There's no freedom short of that. I was in a conversation uh, the other day with a, just a short conversation, and it was with a gal as well. And uh, I don't know how we got there, but it was like, I don't know, a she, she, uh, statement was made about the Bible and that um, all religion, a uh, religion started all the wars, and the Bible couldn't be trusted. I said, stop, stop, stop. The Bible is the only thing we have today that's truth. It is profound truth. Well, it's, uh, I said, about religion. I said, the Bible isn't about religion. It's about Jesus. It's about a relationship. Religion is man reaching up to God. And I said, it fails every time. It fails every time. In fact, what happens is men fight each other on their way to trying to get to God. And pretty soon that's why we have wars. We let have a war in the Middle East, which will not go away until literally the end of the Tribulation. I'm here to tell you they can have peace treaties until it comes out of their ears, but because of literally what's happened between Ishmael and Isaac, back between Abram, Sarah, and Hagar, that fighting will not stop, friends. That's where it started. And it will end at the very end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ will hit the Mount of Olives. It will split and it says they will see Him, Jesus, for who He is, the Messiah. And finally the Jews as a whole nation will look to Him and say, our Messiah. Today, if I say the word Jesus Christ in Israel, that's not literally endearing or warming. They see Him as total fraud, total farce. And until that day when they literally are captured by Jesus, that's why I say sin is the number one problem in our world, and it will continue to be that way. The number one solution is Jesus Christ, period. There's no political hero, there's no nothing. Now, the world is looking for a hero like we've never seen before. That hero will be named by the Scripture as Antichrist. He will be the one of which will capture everyone's attention that is outside of Jesus Christ. And he will look like a hero, a political hero, I mean, superstars that can solve all kinds of problems. But you know what? It will just end. It will get worse and worse and worse. And finally, at the end, they will see Jesus for who He is. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 12. That day, my friends, is a day that God is even looking forward to. Because that's the day His people, His chosen people, will literally see Jesus for who He is. Lydia saw that Jesus. Lydia from Thyatira, who happened to be a long ways away in Philippi, received Jesus Christ as their Savior. But there was another woman in the same city in Philippi that was ensnared. She was imprisoned. Now, and the interesting part is most people that do not know, and it's all, but most even recognize, or do not recognize, <clears throat> excuse me, that they're in prison. If you do not know Jesus Christ, you're enslaved to sin. You can't get away from it. You can't can't be released from it. The only way it can be broken is through the power of Jesus Christ. Period. There's no other way. I'm sorry if you you disagree with me. I don't care if you disagree with me. That's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Period. Boom. Until they stop having obituaries, you may be able to come up with a different answer. But they do, and they will, and it will continue to the end. How do we break that power of sin that Satan has continually wielded over us? Only one way. Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And here we have, a lo- we have a woman that tells us is demon-possessed. It doesn't even have a name. But it says that she is making a lot of money for her masters. Why is that? Why would she be making a lot of money for her masters? I'll tell you something that continues. It's amazing. You might even hear these on the radio or whatever communication device you have. That in, in particular, it's the psychics of California. Have you heard that one? Where they, they're going to tell you about the future. And for whatever reason uh, mankind wants to know something they don't know. <laughs> that's what she's doing. She's telling the future if you will. She's a fortune teller. She's a it says she's possessed with a spirit of divination. Actually the word in the Greek goes back to python, okay? Now when you think of python what do you think of? A snake, a smothering, a, a capturing if you will. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Now, in that word Python, actually, in this day and age, there's another word you'll use, and I don't know that you'll ever put them together, but if I say the word ventriloquist, Python and ventriloquist actually mean the same thing in this context. Because you know what a ventriloquist is? And Paul, he's got his puppet, right? And what, what's Paul's puppet's name? Bill. And you know what? Bill says what Paul says. So, it's just a mouthpiece, the ventriloquist is a mouthpiece for someone else. And think of that. Now, a demon-possessed person is very much just like that. It's a mouthpiece for a demon. That's what a demon-possessed person is. They really have little control over themselves. They are just literally controlled and possessed and owned by a demon, that word ventriloquist literally comes from that. We could go back to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16 or 19. I can't remember. And it talks about it, and the Greek word means ventriloquist. And think of that for a moment, folks. That's pretty scary, isn't it? All of those people that Jesus cast demons out of, they were literally just a mouthpiece for the demon. This is what this young girl, and I'm saying girl because the word is damsel. So, it's a young woman, and it says that that she has has possessed with a spirit of divination. Um, Just, I don't know if this will bore you or whatever, but it's in Greek mythology, which again, very Greek. Uh, You know, Greece is right here. In fact, uh, Troas, um, if you were just 10 miles from Troas, there was a little town of Troy where the Trojans all of those Greek wars, all of that was taking place. Alexander the Great would have ruled and reigned in this area. This was home base to Philip of Macedon, which was the father of Alexander the Great, right? A lot of stuff, a lot of Greek stuff going on. So, the Greek mythology, those Greek gods, were very big play. Well, this spirit of Python, uh, that was a, a name of a dragon that was at the base of a, mo- of a mountain. And that dragon's job was to guard the oracles of Delphi, or Delphi, depending on how you want to say it, and an oracle would be literally a revelation from a demon. That's what an oracle is. But there was was the third son of Jupiter. If you're bored, I'm sorry, but I I just want to show you how all of this stuff sort of ties together. Apollos, you you heard that name, right? Apollos was the third son of Jupiter, and Apollos took on the dragon and slayed it, and all of the power that the python, the dragon had, became Apollos'. And he could reveal the future. He could give oracles. He could give revelations. That's why this young girl was said to have the spirit of the python, which literally goes back to Apollos. If you start to track as we go further, keep in mind that word Apollos. Paul and Silas were given names of Greek gods. This Apollos would have been the one that would have been able to say things that they couldn't have even known about. That's the history behind all of this. Okay. All of that, he, are he, oh, just about, ah, right? It's crazy stuff. Here's this young woman that is snared and trapped, prisoned. But if you would have asked her, Are you literally in prison? Are you, are you slain? Are you, she would have said, No, no, I'm perfectly free, which is usually what sin does it ensnares you without you knowing that you're in prison. Now, a lot of times it's like you, and then when you're free from whatever that is, you move down in the same prison and you lock yourself in another cell. You just change positions in the same prison. That's what sin does. So sad to see that this young lady is literally captured. She's owned, she's imprisoned by a demon. Now, here's the weird part. In verse 17... You have a statement, a message that is given by this young lady. And it says the same, verse 17 Followed Paul and us, cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now that's weird, isn't it? Why would a demon say that? And it says later that Paul was irritated by that. Why was he irritated by that? Because of the source of it. How long do you think Paul and Silas are going to be staying in, in Philippi, and in Luke and Timotheus? Probably not too long. So let's think about let's think about this for a moment. If, if this continues so that Paul lets this demon who's saying the right things, as soon as Paul and Silas leave, guess what? It's incorporation. And then you don't know where that thing's going to go. That happens today as well. Do you think Satan comes into the church and he announces, I am Satan, and I'm going to try to take over this church? No, he doesn't. Now, he can do it. We've seen it through persecution, right? Um, it's amazing how on a Sunday morning, it happened again today, 9 o'clock, deeply in study, and I get these phone calls, and, I, and I, I'm not going to answer them because it's about either cows being out, there's a fence broken, there's something that's going to be right in my face to take my eyes off of what I'm supposed to be doing. That is Satan. And I was in his face today. I said, knock it off. I'm all about Jesus today. And if the cows are out, I really don't care. We'll deal with them later. And it's amazing. It's 9 or 10 o'clock every single Sunday. Right? Now, that's one way that Satan can do it. Now, am I saying that my cows are Satan inspired? There's times I'm wondering. But <laughs> the point is, is Satan will use anything to defer the message. He will, he will use anything to get you away from the truth. Okay. Now, I'm going to listen to that message this afternoon from the gentleman that sent it, and I'll deal with it then. But the idea was at 9 a.m., they it comes, on a Sunday. You don't have to use a lot of imagination that that's an oppression. Right? Take my eyes, take my, take my focus off. Well, the other side of it is infiltration. Satan can slide into a church through someone, man, woman, doesn't matter, and he's going to try to thwart what God wants to be done there. Very subversively, very quietly, very nonchalantly. And I'd have to believe that most people would say, Wow, what she said is exactly right. But what's the source? The source is not from God. In fact, you'll see that Paul, found, let's, let's read it. Let's read it just so we we'll make sure we understand What she said was true. The same followed Paul and us, cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, I did not read any further because I want to go into that next week because there's a sense of taking this. What happened is, I'm going to tell you something. Something changed dramatically. All of a sudden, this cash machine This lady that has a spirit of divination, spirit of python, that literally she's no longer under the power of this demon. And guess who's the maddest? The ones that are making cash, right? And so now all of a sudden you can see who's behind the message because now they're really mad at Paul and Silas. In fact, we'll see it next week. They're beating them. They're putting them in prison. They've taken no hold. Wait a minute. If they really have the message of salvation... Do you, see, do you see what's going on here? It was just a ploy to take control of the situation. In other words, to invite that young lady who is nothing more than a ventriloquist, she's, she's not the ventriloquist, Satan is the ventriloquist, the demon mouthpiece that literally they would, have, they would have invited her to be part of the prayer meeting to become a church. Do you smell this problem? Massive problem. It's the truth that sets you free. Did that demon say the truth? Yes, but only to have a level of infiltration, only to have power. That's why we have to be so careful about what is said about everything. And first and foremost is what does that person or group say about Jesus Christ? If they say He is any less than God, run away. If He is only man, run away. If He did not pay for our sins, run away. If He's any less than what the Bible preaches Him to be, there's no place. Right? That's key. That's a component. Anything, anything other is literally to walk into the enemy's camp or let the enemy walk into your camp. Paul, I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, if you take apart what the demon said, well, that's right. Does that mean you invite them in? Of course not. That's just to get inside to take control. Now, the sad part is we don't know enough about this young lady. But we have two women that were the, and literally the epitome of the human race. Man or woman, it does not matter. You're either liberated in Jesus Christ or you're in bondage to Satan. There's all, that's the only two places. Now the levels... The levels, you know, there's, there's probably levels of capture, shall we say. Uh, no sense in freedom. If you're in Jesus Christ, you're free. Now, whether you live according to the freedom that you have, therefore stand fast in the liberty wherewith you were saved. I mean, that, that's, that's what Paul's message is in Galatians. Don't move away from what you're freed from. Sometimes we forget who lives within us. The Holy Spirit, if you've trusted Christ, lives within you. And I talked about the, those clothes piles, you know what I mean? The ones that, you know, we got greed and guilt and pride and all that stuff. And for whatever reason, we store that down in the basement. And once in a while, we put on love. And let's see, what do we got down here? Oh, we've got, we've got pride. Let's put those on. And pride and love go together? Pfft, not really. That's a clash. But that's sometimes we don't get rid of all of the stuff that we're free from. It needs to go away. Jesus liberated us. Lydia, you can just feel the contentment and the peace of which she is. She says, I want you guys to come and just stay with me. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to be more of everything that there's there. And literally from that one person, Lydia, and her household, we're going to find next week as well. There's a Philippian jailer in chapter 16, verse 31. Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He and his household were baptized as well. That's the beginning, literally, folks, of the church at Philippi. Isn't that cool? And I'm here to say that that's really the beginning of the evangelization of Europe. And if you're a Gentile and your ancestry comes from Europe, guess what? You're here because of Lydia. Isn't that cool? God used a woman to literally start the evangelization evangelization of the entire continent of Europe. Now, the sad part is, and maybe something changed, but we don't see it, is this unnamed young woman... Who was, a, who was literally a mouthpiece for a demon, for Satan. We know that Paul cast the demon out, but we don't know what happened after that. It leaves a vacancy. Remember, Jesus even talked about that. If it's open, it's as if seven more, or a multitude more of demons will enter in. That's why we must fill ourselves with the Word of God. Now, I'm, if you're, if you, now here's another. I want to make sure we understand this. The influence of a demon is one thing. I'm convinced for me on a Sunday morning that Satan is going to try to take me off of my game because I am preparing a message for this group. Okay, He's going to try to influence me. I'm really glad that the Scripture is very, very clear that I cannot be possessed by a demon because there's no room for the Holy Spirit and Satan or his demons within me or you if you've trusted Christ. You can take that to the bank and beyond. I was saying, bank. that's not even good enough. You can take it to the very end of the earth and beyond. That is a guarantee. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you cannot be demon-possessed. Now, if you haven't trusted Christ, you're fair game. That's a scary thing, isn't it? Now, here's a young woman the demon was cast out of. I'm, tr- I'm hoping that she reached out and became liberated because when the, this, is, this is very important. Lydia was liberated, made free when she trusted Christ. This young woman of which the demon was cast out of was not liberated because of the release of the demon until she would have received Christ. She was still not free. She just changed rooms and potentially would even have been inhabited by another demon. I just find this fascinating though to see that that is literally the human race on display in a matter of days within a place of a new place to bring salvation. And Lydia, she she went to the task, right? Now, it's interesting too, God didn't say, okay, Lydia you got saved, now I want you to go back to Thyatira, I want you to sell all of your stuff, I I want you to be a non-thinker, I want you to just do, no, you don't see any of that, do you? Proverbs 31, great, great passage. In fact, one of the, the guys I was reading this week, he said I was reading Proverbs 31 and it was three o'clock in the morning. I woke my wife up. You need to get going. She was very industrious. Get going, right? That went over well, I'm sure, right? And there was I I think he didn't, but you understand what I'm saying. I'll tell you what, God wants women to be industrious. He wants women to be on fire for him. I'm telling you what, that whole thing right there is right on Lydia. And that was, you can just tell she's a fireball. You know, look at, look at what she's doing. But here's the deal. God met her right where she was at. She had an interest in God. God went where she was at. He'll do the same for you. If you have an interest in God, if you're, and it's, did you see, I want to I point you to this as well. Uh, that's a gift of God as well. It says, a certain woman, verse 14, named Lydia, a cell of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, she's listening to us, whose, whoa, whose heart the Lord opened whose heart the Lord opened. You want to pray for someone? You ask that God would open their heart. It isn't anything you can say. You can debate them into nowhere, literally. Pray the Lord would open that heart. You have, you have a man, a child, a woman, you have someone that you're praying for, pray this, that the Lord would open their heart. And then our job is clarity to give the gospel clearly. We're not, we don't have to do anything with it. That's God's business. He opened Lydia's heart. And the rest is history. It's crazy, isn't it? Plum wild. Next week I want to look at the response of the young girl who became no longer a cash machine for her owners. She was owned. She was owned by Satan, but she was also used by mankind. I think of all of the traffic that takes place across this world today, more than we can possibly even talk about child trafficking. You talk, you, you, you talk about it in every, you know what? It's amazing. And at the base of every single one of them is sin. The only way that person or persons can be free is from Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can liberate us. We see it right here. Have you accepted Christ or have you rejected Christ? It's It's our choice. Pray for the world today that God would open the hearts of men and women and children. That's what they need more than anything else. It's amazing the cycles of which we go through, isn't it? I don't care if it's in Mexico. I don't care if it's in Colombia. I don't care if it's in South Africa. I don't care where it's at. It's all the same. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Political arenas, political events, horizons of hope and all of the frill and from they mean nothing. Wise men still seek Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, there's a lot about tomorrow we don't know. But we know who holds tomorrow. Father, you hold it in your hand. You spoke into existence what we see and beyond. The level of infinity, in fact, the universe still, its confines, are, we can't even... I even say that word It's There are no confines, Father, in you. And to think that you just spoke into existence everything that we can comprehend. The sovereignty of yourself. I think of how majestically you worked in this woman's life, Lydia. She was profoundly seeking God. She was worshiping the Jews' God, but didn't know where to find him. Meeting at the river, praying. And you brought Paul and Silas and Timotheus and Luke to her city, to her neighborhood, to someone that knew about the prayer meeting. And as they sat down there on that day, quietly, Paul spoke about Jesus. Paul spoke from the word about Jesus. And Lydia heard and received that message. And Father, maybe there's someone here today or beyond that hears my voice on the podcast that is hearing about Jesus for the first time, or maybe the first time that it hasn't been smoky or foggy or distant, but this time it's clear. Jesus died for our sins. He and He alone are the only one that can conquer what ails us, sin. And when you receive Christ, His gift, grace, by trusting in Him and Him alone, then ultimately you have become a new creature. You've become saved. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You are brand new. You've become like Lydia, content, at peace. Consequences of life still are there, but the results are very different. We have a home. We have a citizenship in heaven, which we will be there forever and ever and ever. Father, may it be, not be that anyone would choose to take the route of the young woman that was possessed by the enemy. May we choose carefully. Thank you for saving those that were saved in Europe, Father, for opening hearts. We pray for all of those people, Father, our friends, our family, those that are close to us particularly, Father. We reach out, and I'm praying for those that are here that you would open the hearts of those that need Jesus Christ that you would allow them to see the importance of Jesus. May they see the opportunity to be liberated, to be free from sin. Oh, Father, we open our arms in adoration to you, lifting our arms in praise, thanking you for being in power and control, majestically, God, you are awesome. In you we trust. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.